This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Today we're continuing our series on uh, Injustice Children. This is the second part. And today we will be discussing a topic that often erupts into very strong arguments. And if that weren't enough, I think I'm going to add to the mix to think outside the box again, get right to the root and maybe cause more eruptions from people because I'm getting personal on this. But what I wish today is to give a fresh way of looking at the topic of abortion. Abortion is one of those topics that must be discussed, uh, no matter what kind of arguments come out of it, that has to be discussed when it comes to the idea of injustice to children. You know that I tend to think differently and try to look at things from a fresh perspective. So here we go. Uh, I will not be, by the way, today giving statistics or horror stories in relation to abortion, Uh, I don't consider myself pro-life or pro-abortion or pro-choice, as they call it. I don't consider myself either one. Uh, And you'll understand why later on in this episode. But this doesn't mean, this does not mean that I'm trying to appease everyone. I'm not trying to make either side happy, okay? In fact, I might make both sides a little ticked off today, but that's okay. Sometimes we need that in order to think through what we're doing. What this simply means is that I do, when I say I'm not either pro-life or pro-choice, it means that I do not like to be labeled or to join a side. What I prefer to do is to see each person as a human and to act justly to everyone. In this case, I wish to speak for justice, both for the unborn child And for the mother and the father. See, we're going to be bringing the mother and the father into the discussion today because they never get talked about. It's just all about the baby in the womb. Yeah, sometimes the pro-abortion people, I'll be calling them pro-abortion, call themselves pro-choice, but uh, I'll explain why that's not a correct label a little bit later. But but, uh, they may throw the mother in just to make a quick argument for their side of the issue, but... Today, we're going to talk about how we can create justice, not just for the unborn child, but for the mother and father as well. I was uh, used to be a grand knight in the Knights of Columbus, and uh, I was a little bit too radical for that, so it didn't work out. But uh, a Planned Parenthood opened right across the street from the Catholic parish. Now, imagine this. You've got a Catholic parish, and Catholics are... Pro- are notorious for being pro-life and quite loudly pro-life and anti-abortion. 
they do a lot of protesting, and right across the street from Catholic Church, they plunk this uh, Planned Parenthood. Being the radical nature that I have, I thought, well, as Knights of Columbus, let's do something different than everybody else is doing. So I said, wouldn't it be cool? And I proposed that we have lunch with the staff at Planned Parenthood. I said, wouldn't Jesus would do that, right? I mean, Jesus was known for having dinner with the Pharisees who the Pharisees wanted to murder him and he would go eat dinner at their house. Uh, Jesus was notorious for hanging about with people that didn't see eye to eye with him. So I proposed that we have lunch with the staff and wow, did that meet with the ire of my fellow Catholics because of that idea. But folks, we have to get radical. We have to show radical love and take radical thought and approaches to the subject of abortion. See, the problem is we've got too many people yelling at each other from both sides and nobody's really listening and showing love. Now, I'm going to start by saying that abortion is an injustice, a very grave injustice, but not just to the child, but also to the mother and father as well. However, I think that those who fall on either side of the issue have greatly erred, and we need to take a long, hard, new look at this issue. Uh, I want to get into the arguments to start off with on both sides, and I want to look at the arguments that both sides traditionally bring and then show the absurdity of the arguments. I think that the pro-life side, you know, I know Many people think I'm Catholic. I tend to go across religious lines in my practices, but I attend Mass and uh, participate in the sacraments, but I'm not pro-life. I think that the pro-life arguments are absurd, in my opinion, And but I'm not also not pro-choice because I think that their arguments are equally absurd. And I will show you why today, because... Uh, I just think both sides are wrong on the issue. But first, let's take a quick look into why why is abortion itself unjust? So we're not, we're not going to look at the arguments just yet. I said we were going to do that, but uh, my bad. I got ahead of myself. Uh, I actually want to take a quick look as to why abortion itself is unjust. Uh, first of all, it's because it is an obstruction to God's creative order. You see, through the sexual act between a man and a woman, God has ordained that men and women would create new human life. And by the way, I want to say this as I hear this term unplanned pregnancies. That's kind of weird to me. It's kind of weird that human beings would participate in the sexual act and then be shocked that there's a pregnancy because Let's do a quick biology lesson for those of you who are listening. In case you fell asleep in biology class, and in case you flunked out of biology, here's a quick refresher. When a man and woman participates in the sexual act, it has the potential to create a baby. That's how babies are made, okay? In case you were... So we hear this thing, unplanned pregnancies. If you participate in the sexual act, how does it become unplanned? Okay. 
every time you do that, there is a potential for a child to come from that act. That's why we have the sexual act. But what we've done as humans is we have perverted sex into an act of pleasure. You see, it's not for pleasure. And when you participate in the sexual act, expect the potential of a new human being cre be created. It's as simple as that. Abortion is an affront to that. It goes against the divine order. Abortion is disordered. Secondly, it takes the life of a potential person and does not give them a say in the matter. Now I say the life of a potential person. What I'm going to do in this episode is take both sides of the issue. Those who are pro-life say that that is a full-fledged human being in the womb. The others say it's the potential of becoming a full-fledged human being, whichever. The fact is, it, even if it's the potential I believe it's a full-fledged human being, if you want to know my personal opinion. But, and science will back me up on that. But, even if you believe it's the potential of becoming a full-fledged human being, you have to admit, scientifically, that if you leave it alone, it will always become a full-fledged human being. Okay, it's not going to come out as a tiger, Ever, that what you call the fetus in the womb will never come out as a Labrador retriever. It will always come out of the womb as a human being, okay? That's the science. It's been science for thousands of years now. But it takes the, abortion takes the life of a potential person, does not give them a say in the matter. And that's one of the problems I have with abortion. It doesn't allow the person that has directly affected that child and does not give them a say in the matter. And whether you believe that the formation in the womb is a full human or a potential human, it still robs that formation of life or potential life without their vote which is the most important vote because it directly involves them. You see, which is something I've had issues with in the debates around homelessness. I've confronted political leaders over and over and said, you guys keep having these town hall meetings and all these discussions on homelessness. And there's never a homeless person in the room. If you're going to be talking about homelessness, shouldn't you have a few homeless people in the discussion to see if these policies work or not? Same thing with abortion. Shouldn't the child be have a voice too? We'll talk more actually how to give them a voice. You may say, well, they can't talk yet. They're not born. Actually, I think I may have found a solution for that. The third reason why abortion is unjust is because it is the strong overpowering the weak. Abortion is an act of the strong overpowering the weak. The doctor who performs the abortion is strong, has all the tools he needs, and the one in the womb has no defense. It is the strong overpowering the weak. Now, that was quick. Let's get into the arguments. That's what I want to get into right now so we can get to later on this episode talking about how... Where's the injustice lie with the father and mother? That's not making them guilty, but actually making them victims as well.
So, uh, but I'm going to talk about the weak arguments on both sides of the abortion issue because I just, I've never liked either side's arguments on this debate. Now, let's talk about for those who are for abortion. This is for individuals who believe abortion should be legal, it should be a thing. And the first argument that they use a lot is, it is my body. It is the woman's right. It is her body. Um, well, no. No, it's not her body. Science shows us and ultrasound show us when I'm looking at an ultrasound image when my children were still in the womb and I was looking at the ultrasounds, I didn't look and say, well, that's weird. There's my wife's body there. No, I wasn't looking at a picture of my wife's body. I was looking at a picture of my child's body. It's a separate body. It's their body. It is not no more part it's not part of the, the mother's body except for the attachment of the umbilical cord, and that's for feeding. That'd be like me putting a straw in a, a glass of water and sipping on that straw to get the water out of the glass into my body and saying, oh, wow, uh, you see that glass? I look at my friends. That's my body. And my friends would look at me like, it's not your body. It's a glass that you're drinking out of. The only thing connecting you to that glass is that straw. It's the same thing. The umbilical cord is like a straw, okay, that runs blood and, and, and nutrition to the child. But it's obvious. Look at an ultrasound. You're not looking at the mother's body. You're looking at the baby's body. Uh, by the way, there's a hypocrisy going on now in our society that I've picked up on and I've called some people out on this hypocrisy. I've noticed that those who support abortion because it is my body are now supporting everyone being forced to get a COVID vaccine. And there's a lot of people that do not want a COVID-19 vaccine for whatever reason. They don't want it. But these same people who support abortion because it's my body also support everyone being forced to do to get a chemical injected into their body against their will because there's a hypocrisy going on there because it's like well wait a minute either it is my body therefore i can do what i want with it even aborting a child or it's my body and i don't have to have a vaccine if i don't want to See, there's a double standard hypocrisy. But as I've said, you look at an ultrasound, it's obviously a separate body. Secondly, the baby will have a, those who are proponents for abortion will say, well, the baby might have a hard life. You know, say maybe a woman's pregnant and maybe the man left. Uh, maybe they're living in a, a kind of a ghetto situation or maybe they're very poor or whatever. Proponents of abortion say we, abortion should be legal because the baby will have a hard life, especially if it's born in a uh, you know, drug addicted parents or whatever. Uh, the reason why this is a bad argument is that you don't know that. Okay. You have no clue as to how that child's life is going to turn out. 
absolutely no idea. It's just a guess. And you don't know how their life will be. You can't see the future. So that's two of the main arguments. There's other arguments. But again, for sake of time with this episode, I want to get to the more important parts of this episode of talking about that. So that's two main arguments. Two of the main arguments that those who are against abortion, what we call pro-life crowd, they'll say, well, the baby could be the one to find cure for the cancer. We may have aborted the child who's going to grow up to be the one who finds the cure for cancer or whatever. And that tends to be a counter argument. But again, you don't know that. You're just guessing maybe the one that was aborted was going to turn out to be the next Ted Bundy. Horrid serial killer. Again, we're guessing. We don't know. We're playing God on both sides, and that's one of the main problems. Both sides are playing God. Some kids who have been raised in horrible homes turn out to be saints. Look at your history lessons, and some children who've grown up in good homes, turn out to be vicious as adults. So again, we can't use those arguments on either side. Another argument the pro-life crowd uses is the right to life. People have a right to life, and they often quote the U.S. Constitution where it talks about, in the Declaration of Independence, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But I am sorry... You fall into the pro-life crowd. I'm sorry to break your heart, but the U.S. Constitution is not the Bible. Okay, it's a flawed document. Good document. I like a lot of things about the U.S. Constitution, but it's just a flawed, limited document written by flawed, limited men. It's a good document. It's it's amazing to study and see what came of that, To have, but... It's not the Bible. Oh, and by the way, can I get personal here? If you're so into the U.S. Constitution that you want to quote it for the right to life, then how come you don't mention the parts where the Constitution seems to be promoting socialism instead of capitalism? Where it's promoting the common welfare, or maybe, you know, the fact capitalism came long after the Constitution was written, you know. Just, just a thought. Why do we pick and choose certain parts to make an argument? Now, some people will quote the Bible. Those who are against abortion, some will quote the Bible. And again, this is selective quoting of the Bible. You know, they'll say man is created in God's image. Great. God's created in God's image. If men are created in God's image, yeah, sure, we shouldn't murder them in the womb, but let's also not be... Uh, threatening their life if they cut us off on the freeway either. Okay. Jesus equated anger with murder, just so you know. St. James warns us against using our tongue to kill another. But what we do is we fail to see the other parts of the Bible. Okay. Now, for those of you who aren't, who are listening, who aren't all that familiar with the Bible, let's have some fun lessons here about the Bible. If we're going to say use the Bible to say, oh, that supports pro-life side of things, uh, 
What about the parts of the Bible where God commands the people of Israel to annihilate entire populations, including the women and children? In fact, it actually says that in the Bible, including the women and the children. What about that part in the Bible where King David wished that his enemies, that God would take the infants, the babies of his enemies and dash their head against rocks. Think about that imagery for a minute. David wishing that the infants' heads would be dashed against rocks. That's in the Bible. Uh, so much for right to life, King David. <laughs> right? But see, the thing is, life comes from God. Life doesn't come from the Bible. Life doesn't come from the U.S. Constitution. So we should just leave the beginning and the end of life to the creator, okay? I'll say that much. Let's just leave the child in the womb alone, let things develop and be. And at the end of life, when people get old, let's just, you know, comfort them, love them, help them. But let's just leave life to the one who created it, all right? And, rec and just be humble enough as humans to say we didn't create it except through our sexual act. And we're willing to deal with the consequences of that act. So we have to get away from these silly arguments and see what's really going on. What is really going on with abortion? What's really going on is a very grave injustice is happening to the person in the womb, to the mother and to the father. And unfortunately, we leave the mother and father out of the equation. We should not make... And this is going to be a weird statement probably for a lot of you, but we shouldn't make abortion legal or illegal. I don't think the U.S. government should have one say in the matter. I mean, we're talking about the government that drops bombs on innocent people, and we want them to determine if there should be life in the womb or not. Eh, I'm thinking that entity shouldn't be having a say on this matter. The solution and the answer does not lie in the laws of the land. It lies within the human heart. Take your finger right now and just point, touch your chest, the middle of your chest. Just point at your chest right now and say, the answer lies right here. And by the way, if we are to get legal with abortion, why not go all the way? Can I make a radical proposal to you today? You might want to slap me upside the head after I make this proposal. That's okay. That's what friends do. They slap each other upside the head, right? But I want to make a radical proposal. If we're going to, to bring abortion into the laws of the land and make it all legal and everything, or illegal, whichever, but we're going to get the law involved, then why not go all the way? Since abortion, here's my radical proposal, since abortion involves the child in the womb, then let's require that the unborn person has the right to an attorney who will defend its right to live and then let the judge or the jury look at the individual situation and decide. Now, to those of you on either side of the issue, that may sound like a stupid proposal. That may sound outright scary. What? We're letting judges decide? We're letting juries, our fellow citizens, decide in each individual situation if that child should live? 
Well, isn't that what we're doing with doctors? Doctors are deciding. Parents are deciding. We're going to get it all involved in the legal system of the United States. Why not just go all the way and give that child an attorney? Let the the child's attorney duke it out with the prosecutors and all that stuff and just have a good old court scene. See, folks, let's just leave it out of the legal system. And you may say that is, is an insane proposal, but again, the unborn have no voice. Yet it is them who is directly effective. So if we're going to play legality or play politics, go all the way and give them a right to an attorney. And by the way, I want to say this. The United States Supreme Court does not have authority over life. Only the creator has that authority. Now, let's talk about the injustices. This is where we get to the radical part. And this is going to be a little bit longer episode than what you're used to, but too much important information to cover to cut it off. First of all, the injustice happens again to the unborn child, the father, mothers talk about the child. Abortion is a murderous act. If you didn't know that, go online, talk to a doctor, talk to somebody, it and get educated. Okay, there are abortion procedures where they pour salt on the child's body, they inject it in the womb, saline solutions, and burn the child alive. There are procedures where they suck the brains out of the child. There are procedures where they crush the child's body. There are procedures where they pull the limbs off. And scientifically, we know that that child feels pain. It is a vicious and murderous act to a person that we know scientifically feels the pain when science proves it. Science proves that abortion causes pain and it is destructive in the means that they use to perform abortion. It is not a nice procedure. And here is the part. If you want to get me ticked off, here's how you can do it. You can be so hypocritical and double standard that you would stoop to this double standard I'm about to mention to you. The death penalty for a serial killer is nicer and more humane than abortion is to an innocent child in the womb. An innocent child in the womb has its limbs ripped off, burned alive, its brain sucked out, its body crushed. And a serial killer is injected like just if you were getting the flu vaccine is injected with a needle that gently puts them to sleep until they die. What the heck people? What the hell? Why are we doing this? Why are we treating people who have viciously murdered and tortured people more humanely than we are treating an innocent, vulnerable little baby in the womb? Even if you don't believe that as a full-fledged human being in the womb, you have to admit that abortion robs that child of the potential of life. And it robs them of the potential of a full life. It gives the child no voice 
It literally is the strong overpowering the weak, the very weakest of society. So it's unjust to the child in the way it's done, the way the child doesn't get a voice and so on. The second person in the abortion act that is, is unjustly treated is the mother. Abortion robs women of the potential to become a saint through motherhood. St. Paul, a Catholic saint, said in the Bible, St. Paul said to, to Timothy, one of his, his disciples, he said, women will be saved. How? Do you know the answer? Paul says that women will be saved through childbirth if they continue in the faith. Paul says that salvation for women comes through childbirth if they continue in faith. So abortion robs the woman of the potential to become a saint through motherhood. How did mother uh, Mary, how did our blessed mother, the Virgin Mary, how did she become who she is through motherhood? That's what she's known for. She's not known for having a great career somewhere. She's a saint because of her great career, because of her great preaching. Or No, what is the one and only thing that the Blessed Virgin Mary is known for, for becoming such a great saint that she is? It's through motherhood, by giving birth to Jesus. Too often, pro-life groups fail to support the parents forced to make the decision, I will say forced, because I've lived in literally ghetto neighborhoods different times in my life, and those mothers especially are literally, through their circumstances, forced to make a decision they really don't want to make. Or they're forced by the man or something. But too often pro-life groups fail to support the parents in this. Often... These parents are faced to make tremendously difficult decisions because of tremendously difficult circumstances. What true justice does is gives wraparound support to these parents. And I'm proposing to you that your church, your synagogue, your temple or whatever should adopt the parents, the mother, the father and the child and just come around them. If, if, if the parents are in deep poverty, or well, why not? You know, they could be in deep poverty, lack resources, lack education to have a good income, a good job. Maybe they lack skills, maybe they are skill development. I don't think people ever actually lack skills. They lack skill development. Uh, and maybe people, uh, you know, whatever. Maybe they've got drug addiction. Maybe they got alcohol issues. Who knows? Maybe they're just being plain selfish. Some people get abortions just because they're downright selfish, uh, especially the men are selfish. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But why not your church, your synagogue, your temple, whatever, why not adopt these parents and tell them, we want you to have the child and we're going to adopt mom and dad and baby as a faith community, and we're going to give you wraparound support to help you successfully raise your child. And I've known churches that actually do that for the whole 18 years. 
they support those parents. Uh, not necessarily intense support for the 18 years, but I mean, they're there. We're here anytime. So the mother, the child is treated unjustly in abortion. The mother and finally the father is treated unjustly. The Again, the father is robbed of the potential to become a saint through fatherhood. St. Joseph. Ah, if we're going to talk about the Blessed Virgin Mary, let's talk about her husband, Joseph. How did Joseph become probably the greatest saint ever? Through fatherhood. <laughs> you see? Just as women, a woman's greatest potential to sainthood is through motherhood. And even if women take a vow of chastity and become nuns, for example, like Teresa of Calcutta, India, how did she become St. Teresa of Calcutta? By being who? Mother Teresa. Even if you don't have your own children, you can still be a mother. Lots of kids that don't have mothers that could use a mom. Same thing with fathers. Abortion robs fathers of the potential of becoming saints through fatherhood. Men, if you're listening to me right now and you're immature as a man, having children grows you up real fast. I've reached some level of maturity in my life. I'll let God and my friends <laughs> be the judge of my maturity. But some of the places where I've become mature in my life, you know how I got there? Kids. Kids have a way of growing you up. Yeah, it's not automatic, though, because there's a lot of parents who don't grow up but have kids just because they just remain stuck in their patterns, unfortunately. But Joseph became a saint through fatherhood. But let's talk about, again, we talked about faith communities adopting the parents and the child. Instead of the abortion being carried out, we have the children will adopt you as parents. How can, just as we talked about justice to the mother, let's talk about justice to the father. Because I really want to hit on this, probably because I'm a man, and it's tough being a father in this world. I'm just going to say it, it is downright hard being a father in our modern world because all the TV shows are anti-man. The movies are anti-man. Books, pornography, on and on. Workplaces that fail to pay living wages are anti-man. Everything is against a man in modern society. And what we can do as faith communities to ensure justice for the man is to guide men, to have strong programs in our parishes and our churches and temples and synagogues that help men be men and shows them and educates them and helps fathers heal. You know, most of, when men push their partners to get an abortion, it's often done because the man is wounded and he's acting out of his woundedness. I mean, look at the black community. I, I've most of my life I've lived in predominantly black neighborhoods, uh, and I've had a lot of black friends over the years. And you know, it's sad, but uh, 
uh, among the black community, there's, which by the way, Planned Parenthood intentionally puts their centers mostly in predominantly black neighborhoods and abortions at its highest among the black communities. And abortion, by the way, is the number one killer of black people. Number one cause of death among black people. But, you know, I think it was recently I heard a statistic that 85%, 85%, I believe, was the number of black men that do not know their father. And there are many black men in our society who have three and four generations where the father was not involved in the home and the men didn't even know who their father was, let alone never see him. There's a woundedness. And if you are a faith community that's in an area that's surrounded by that black community, you've got to put your arm around those men and show them this is what it's like to be a dad. This is what it's like to raise your boys in an honorable way. They're not bad people for doing this. They're just wounded. They're lost. They don't know. Can you imagine three, four generations of no men involved in the home? You wouldn't have a clue what to do as a father. Well, as a faith community, you can wrap your arms around them and show them lovingly how to be a father and then turn the tide to where there's generations of black men who have known their fathers and have grown strong and the gangs begin dying out for lack of involvement from those black kids because those kids got their dads and they know how to be a real man. Wouldn't that be awesome? I like dreaming like that because dreams can become realities if we dream, allow ourselves to dream. It's not just the black community, the white community, Hispanic, so on. Everybody's just running around in modern society lost. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to be a real man and they're sure not learning it in the video games. They're not learning it in the TV shows. They're not learning it on YouTube. It's got to come from you. So we've got to show men how to be real men. We've got to focus and make it a major part of what we do. And finally, I just want to say this with the father, what abortion does unjustly to the father is it strips the man of his true calling to lay down his life. Strips the man of his true calling. A man's true calling is to lay down his life. I'm going to recommend a website, by the way. It's one I subscribe to this website, uh, my own personal life, because I need it. There's too much against me as a man in my home to be a husband and a father. So I subscribe to this website because I need it. And it'll do you a world of good. It's called The Catholic Gentleman. The Catholic Gentleman. I want you to go on there. You can read stuff for free, but you can also subscribe. And if you subscribe, you get a lot of cool stuff. By the way, they're not paying me to promote this. So I'm getting nothing out of it, except for the satisfaction that maybe you'll be benefited by them as much as I am. It's, it's an apostolic ministry. Apostolate. I mean, that's why I might say it's an apostolate. Uh, and it is, uh, called the Catholic gentleman. Go on it today. You'll find amazing resources that'll educate you and really pump you up and encourage you and strengthen you as a man because abortion strips the man of his true calling to lay down his life for his wife, for his children, 
So there you go. There you go. We talked long today and we talked about some tough stuff and I probably gave you things to think about maybe you never thought about before and that's good. But before you dismiss this in discussion and say, ah, oh, this guy's nuts and dismiss it, I encourage you to sit with it. I encourage you not to argue with me just yet. I don't mind people arguing with me. I want you to email me. You'll get the email address at the end of this episode, but I want you to email me. Tell me if you agree, disagree. Give me your thoughts. I love hearing, having good discussions with people. But before you do that, just sit with this episode. Maybe listen to this episode two or three more times and just sit with it. My wife, when I get upset about something or my wife confronts me about something, you know what she tells me? Just sit with it. I'm not allowed to argue. I'm not allowed to defend. She always just says, just sit with it and see if I'm right or wrong. And I like that. And she, through that, I've in a lot of life circumstances, when frustrating things come my way and I want to react, I just stop and just sit with it. Just allow it to be like, what's, what's the real perspective I need to have on this? And usually the answer becomes quite clear after I sit with it. Well, what do you think? Let me know your thoughts on this. And I hope to hear from you, but this is where you can make a real difference. Maybe go into a Planned Parenthood. If you consider yourself a pro-lifer and have lunch with the staff, love them. If you are on the side where you agree abortion should be a thing, then why not reach out to the other side, the pro-lifers and just hang out, have a good, healthy discussion with each other. And I encourage you to do that. But what I really want you to do, both sides of the issue, I want you to really look and say, how can we bring justice for the child, the father, and the mother? What is a real answer that's going to bring wraparound support to all three? I really, on this issue, beg of you to create a just society right in the home, right where you are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through matradayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.